Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love! A bi-monthly podcast where we interview a different guest every two weeks about their personal experience with love. Whatever that may be. And we're up to episode 39. 39, so close to 40. Just one off. Uh, And our special guest this week is Veronica. And Veronica and I met, she was actually my mentor at this competition I did where we ended up presenting at Google and we won the competition. So she was a very, very, very good mentor. Uh, But her and I became friends and we, I don't know, once I just had a feeling that she had a bit of a love story and she's like, yeah, when I tell people my love story, they always say that it gives them hope. So I was like, well, I need a little bit of hope. I think we all do sometimes. Um, So I I knew this one was going to be a feel-good one, which is exactly what it is. um, I've also, we've decided that uh, this is going to be our last episode for a few months. We got to find some new guests and get our act together and take a little breath. Um, it's been a big season, this one. We have tackled some some big topics from, you know, abortion to people leaving their faith to having open marriages. Um, it's been raw and real and sad and happy and all these types of different things. But I think when we get to bigger subjects and people really opening up and being honest and there's a lot of weight to that and a lot of respect and making sure that we handle that podcast in the way that that story deserves so we have learned a lot this season and we want to keep it up so we're just going to take a little break so we can um, make sure we always bring the best possible to you but on that note, please email us if you have any recommendations of guests that you think that would um, have something to share or enjoy coming on the podcast. Uh, you can just email us at love at gmail.com. But I also wanted to say a really big thank you to Grace, Nancy and Jimmy. Guys, it, it wouldn't happen without you. And um, not only like what you bring to the podcast is incredible, but... I think it's just how special it is that we have a team. We have a team of people that that believe in what we're doing and we and we just keep um making it better. So thank you. Thank you for always taking my calls in the middle of the night as well when I'm doubting everything. Uh so I we will be back. We will be back in a couple of months. But I hope you enjoy the final episode of this season with Veronica. It is a lovely story. a bit about you Mm -hmm. and um I mean you were this mentor amazing woman that came in while I was in a Uh. strategy competition Uh and I remember you being very uh politically savvy but you sort of would just you were just checking Instagram or like social media at the time and I think it was definitely through the election Mm -hmm. um and stuff was going on and you would more just mumble it under your breath it wasn't like you were saying it to our group but I just noticed it and I was like she's she's got opinions <laughs> in, a, in a good way and um but then I started following you on Instagram and the way that I've summed you up in my brain is that you have the non-New York life but you live in New York okay so you you're married, um, you like still, have, it seems, this is all mm-hmm. judgment. I mean, um, this obs- is actually amazing to hear. Fascinating to hear more specifically. So you like, st- 
spend a lot of time with family you go away a lot on weekends you have like the christmas tree like, i mean i think your christmas tree. i do yeah great. yeah i was like shit is she jewish um but no i just like i feel like you have the life you've found that balance of living in new york but still all those qualities that i think sometimes we don't people miss out on by living in new york mm-hmm. and like a nice settled it's like family life <laughs> but yeah so anyway I've 100% romanticized your life and it seems like that's what we do yeah yeah <laughs> you seem very comfortable in your relationship but I've never I mean I feel like even when we've been out for drinks I've never been like so who is he how did you meet <laughs> and I honestly want to be like so who is he and how did how you meet have I never told you I know but I think I've oh, strategically held it back. done that because I've wanted you to come on the show all you said is that the story brings some people hope, and I would love some hope. So ah. um, that's that's all I know. Okay, it certainly does. I mean, I will be very happy to walk you through beginning to present day. Fantastic. Um, I will also say that kind of it's interesting. I guess you're right. I think I overemphasize the non-New York parts of my life because they're less familiar and therefore more interesting. I, I guess the question I would ask myself is why would someone want to see what they already see all the time? Right. Um, not to say I don't love the New Yorkness of my life. Um, also, leaving the city tends to be more picturesque. Right. But um, that's different for me as well because I think a, a lot of my friends from Australia. Yeah. So that, um, you know, that's when I stuff, you know, I joined Instagram when, mm-hmm. oh no, would have been when I was in New York. Anyway, mm-hmm. like a bunch of Australians. So sometimes I feel like they would be interested in the New York kind of thing, but uh, you're sort of seeing it the other way. Everyone is seeing it all the time. Yeah. And yeah, for some reason I also don't take pictures of my friends. I'm, I don't know why. I try to more often now than I used to, but I'm more of like a, a, a landscape artist. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. I'm glad that I appear to have a balanced life. You do, you do. And I, I mean, it's weird how we think we... I mean, you only see what you see, but yeah, yeah it does. It looks like you have a lovely, balanced life. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, I, I love living here because I think you can have a balanced life. And I would say the balance is between the rigmarole of the city, and I do work my ass off, and I would love to work my ass off a little bit less. But waking up in Brooklyn Heights, being able to get in a zip car and see my little nephews or do whatever... Um, Go to a museum. I went to the Bronx yesterday. It was amazing. Yeah? Yeah, gorgeous. What to Arthur's Ave? Uh, uh, I guess that was a very broad... Dis- um, I went to um, the Brooklyn... Or the uh, New York Botanical Garden in the Bronx. Oh, did you saw the orchid show? Yeah. Mm. So, anyway. Anyone can have a balanced life. Um, it does take a... Did you take a while to get there, though? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel like... I don't know that I did. I think mm. I just always needed it I would say I moved here I lived in Manhattan for a year and I felt so out of balance that I felt very I felt physically uncomfortable I hated the horns and I hated the stress and the sort of rat race vibe of it all but the moment I moved to my neighborhood which I guess I moved to now like nine years ago I felt like it opened up possibilities that I didn't have before I always sort of feel I remember when I first moved to Brooklyn or I'd start coming to Brooklyn when I lived in Manhattan and I was it was like you. I walked into a beautiful forest. Mm-hmm. Like the contrast. Oh, there's oxygen huge. here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that wasn't your question. Um, so, the story of my relationship with Tom, who was my husband, started on the Lower East Side in 2011. I hope that's right. In Sorry. November, he'll know. Um, it, 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 actually, I would say it started six months before that because um, I'd been in the city for. Um, two years, um, having a lot of fun, having friends, um, a, a lot of friends in the city. So I was always up to something. It was great. Were you a dater? I, I was definitely a dater. Yeah. I, um, was it online at the, it was online. It was, we didn't swipe yet. Um, but very strategic, very fun, you know, um, but ultimately I realized very exhausting. So six months before I met Tom, I had said to myself that I was wasting a lot of time dating. I was... I guess 24 at the time. I was 25 when I met him. And I I just took a break. I you know, I was like, I'm going to be a nun for six months. Mm. Or for however long. So um, it wasn't a 
nothing bad. I mean, not bad. No, no, no like incident. Yeah. If anything, it was just, I realized I was paying way too much attention on other, two other people. Um, and your balance was off. My balance was way off. Mm. And I had a lot of fun not focusing on dudes. Yeah. So, um, for whatever reason, uh, a Friday night, sort of maybe a week and a half before Thanksgiving, um, I decided I was ready to open up again to the prospect of dating. And it was such a specific decision and kind of realization that I was ready that I actually announced it <laughs> to my friend. Um, my, my best friend, Jay, we met uh, for a drink before going to this party. And I said verbatim, you know, Jay, I think I'm going to make an effort tonight. And so it stuck with me. Sometimes, you know, you set a, a goal and you can't kind of get it out of your head. But also that just means you, there's a vibe, like mm -hmm. you put the vibe out there. I think so. And oh, yes, um, I definitely did. And I went to this party. It was Meg Ryan's 50th birthday party. She was not there. It was just a reason to celebrate. Hang on. Wasn't that the Droga 5 <laughs> yeah. um, party where they, yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? Why do I know that? I think because I thought it was such a cool theme. It was really fun. Because it was like Harry Met Sally's, one of my favorite mm -hmm. films. It was and they... playing on the dance floor. Was this when you were still at Droga 5? Um, no, I had left. Um, I was at TVWA. But I'd only been there for a few months. Um, and I was still very good friends with the guys who threw the party. Yeah. Wonderful human beings. Uh, so, yeah. So, I went to this party in the, in the lowest east side, uh, a part of town I really hadn't spent time in. And at that time, it was under, you know, it hadn't been, it, it, it was a, a far cry from what it is today. Yeah. And um, in the sort of, I wouldn't call it a warehouse space, but I think it ultimately became um, actually Mission Chinese. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was kind of an event space. Um, had the party, had a had a great time. Went with a few friends and. Um, Did you perm your hair for the McRyan I, look? I hadn't thought of it. Yeah, it's alright. God knows. Next time. Was I for her seventieth? Yeah, um, I think it was. It was too dark to even. Yeah. Okay. Care, <laughs> but um, I had my eyes open the whole time, and I felt increasingly you know, disheartened, dissatisfied. I kind of wanted to leave and um, go to a second location. And I had a friend who was coming to meet us and he actually couldn't get into the party. He got stuck in line. So he's like, I'm at this dive bar next door. And um, I was like, I'm ready to go. I feel like I'm hitting a little bit of a wall here. And it wasn't that I like hadn't found a suitor. It was just no. sometimes you're done yeah. with the party. The suitor was really not top of mind for me. It was just no, in the it was back like, of the mind. I know exactly you know, what you're talking about. You kind of got your eye, one about. eye open. Yeah. Um, so then I went to this, to, to Bar 169, mm -hmm. which at that time... I was like, it's either going to be Bar 169 <laughs> or Forget Me Not. I was like, mm -hmm. it was either those two bars when you said Dive Bar. Yep. The, the magical Bar 169. Um, I'd never been. I just remember seeing red tinsel everywhere. Mm -hmm. There was a dinosaur room and a fish tank, and I was in love with the place before I was in love with my husband. Um, Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was already, okay, I'm here, I'm talking to my friend Peter, he was the one who was in line, my friend Julie, and it was now just the three of us um, catching up, because he was in, living in California. But I have to say, it was like, within the first five minutes of talking to Peter, very specifically, someone caught my eye at the bar. And it was probably between two and three in the morning. Um, and I was very distractible. And, um, it, you know, I think people use this description a lot, but it was as though there was a spotlight on this guy at the bar and he had a beard and he was wearing this pea coat. And I immediately defined him in my mind. I was like, he's 27, he's a writer. I bet he's kind of an asshole. And I'm in love with him. <laughs> like, is this sort of okay. that moment when people, because there's that classic line of like, I'm going to marry that woman one day. Oh, like yeah. They see them across mm -hmm. the room and they just say that and then they freaking do. Happens all the time. Um, Not to everyone, might I add, but it does. There's always a chance. Um, yeah, I think it takes the openness to mm -hmm. be that declarative and to like allow yourself to think that insanely. Yeah. Because I did. I was like, yeah, uh-huh. I've, I know you, I see you, and I want to know you better. Yeah. Um, so I stared at him, and I interrupted my conversation with my friend Peter, you know, 
every two and a half seconds to say, hey, is the guy with the beard looking over here? And the answer was always yes. Is this normal behavior for you? Uh, good question. Um, I have always been very open to love. So I have always been, I'm also in love with everything. So like, I'm little things, inanimate things to like the world at large. I am in an, I'm passionately in love with everything. Um, so there's a proclivity already at play. Yeah. Um, but I had, I, I don't, I mean, I do, and I, yes, and if I look back, I would say, I, I would, I'm, I was a young woman who had a creative mind, and I was always making up, ooh, I bet that person is this way, or that person is this way, mm -hmm. but I didn't, like, fall in love at, you know, just upon sight all the time. Yeah. Um, that would be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> Which some people do, it's amazing, and then they, they, I just find that that's, like, the roller coaster ride that... That oh yeah. Sort of on no. constantly. And I also didn't fall in love quickly. Yeah. You know, like I could be intrigued, and that was a, that was the reason I stopped dating. Is I was like, this is not none of this is enough. Yeah. And it's taking all my mental energy and time. So, um, so yes and no, right? Yeah. Open to it, but not as uh, laser focused as I just described. Yeah. Ever. Um. Anyway, long story. Wait. So was he looking? So yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, forever. And I just thought I was so explicit mm -hmm. with my, at least the intent that I thought my eyes were conveying, um, that I was like, okay, I've never given a more, I mean, wasn't that overt, but a pretty overt invitation to come talk to me. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? So he's going to walk up to you with I, yeah. talking to two other friends and just say, well, Mostly hey. to another guy. I realized in retrospect that was wishful thinking. And no, he did not. You're making eyes at me, and I thought I, I would come on over. Hey. And he will tell you, uh, he's very glad he didn't, because it was very late, and he thinks he would have messed it up. So, I didn't talk to him. <laughs> oh, this just got so much interesting. <laughs> yeah, I did not. Uh, we spoke only with our eyes, and I left the bar with my friend. Um... And I get that, yeah, leaving the bar with a guy probably was a What was your final, do you remember your sort of final, like, um, did you walk out, sort of do the backwards glance? Mm -hmm. and walk? Yeah. I will describe exactly what happened upon my exit from the bar. So, I stared at him the entire way to the door, <laughs> one final request, and uh, walked out. And then immediately, this never happens, but immediately upon walking out, a taxi showed up. My friend opened the door for me, and I was like, ugh, I told myself I'd make an effort tonight. And so I said, Peter, you get in the car. I'll get the next one. So Peter gets in the car, and I was wearing heels, because that's back when I wore heels. It's like teetering on the sidewalk, sitting there like, okay, I'm going to give him my number. I, I have no, a notepad on me. <laughs> Good. Because <laughs> that's helpful. Um, little sort of like graph paper pad. And I wrote my, uh, so I wrote my number on the, on the piece of paper. I wrote my name. And then because I'd actually never given a guy my number, in parentheses, I wrote weird. Important <laughs> acknowledgement. This isn't like a calling card. This is for you. Um, and I, I had this great vision of what I was going to do. It was going to be dramatic, and I was going to be so, like, sexy and cool. And I, like, had it between my fingers. I was going to walk in and say, hey, if you ever want to call me, here's my number. Turn around. Walk away before you can respond. Like, ugh, badass. Yeah. Not what happened. Um, so I walked in, and... He had already turned away from the door. Because I remember, I was just expecting him to be still facing the door, like arms open, waiting for me. Now I turned around, he was talking to like seven dudes. And I understand now that that's very normal. Like telling a story and everyone's, you know, um, captivated. Um, and I just thought, fuck, like I can't, I can't like tap him on the shoulder and say my cool thing and walk away. Like it's going to be too complicated and weird and oh God, I'm right behind him. And I dropped my number in his pocket and left. What do you mean you dropped your number? In his well, pocket? so he had this pea coat on, and you just so just that, yeah. I reverse pickpocketed him. Pickpocket him. Did he? Did anyone see it happen? No. And the whole time I thought, you know, in slow motion in my mind, I'm walking toward him, and one of these guys is going to be like, "Hey, this chick is walking over to you. Turn around." Not at all. It was as though 
I wasn't even there. Um, and I just thought, okay, this wasn't as brave as I anticipated, but maybe you'll find it. Um, weird. <laughs> yeah, like the epitome of weird. And then somehow I got a, a cab really quickly again and was on my merry way. Um, but then when I was in the cab, I got a text message because he had left the bar shortly thereafter and it being sort of mid to late November, it was the first time he'd actually worn that coat and it was, you know, surprisingly brisk and he put his hands in the pockets, um, because it was chilly and he found this and he pulled it out. He laughed out loud because he was like, what is this? How did someone do this to me? And then also... I have no idea when this happened because it could have been last April. Yeah. Um, so we texted. Um, I can't. I, unfortunately, they've been deleted from my phone because once when I was on a call, I did that. Uh. Apple did that to me. But I mean, the, did you just say Apple did that? Apple to me? did that to me. Their user, their Jeez, UX, Apple. really fucked me up. But um, yeah, he said something along the lines of. Hi, out of curiosity, how did you get your number in my pocket? Like, not the warmest. And then the immediate follow-up was, also, hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> good, good Tom, good. Um, and for better or for worse, my response was, oh, he has excellent grammar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love Tom's. I've always loved Tom's. I've never met a Tom I didn't love. But you know, now that you've said that you love everything, we're like, do you love yeah. every name now or just Tom? Certain, certain names are... Tom's always been my number one name, yeah. actually, from a guy. Like, if I think I've like written short stories with Tom's as the lead. Okay, good, good. So, you back that. Yeah, back that. and in Europe, there's a candy bar called Mr. Tom. When I was a kid, I would collect them. Favorite candy bar. Okay, Favorite yeah. Name. So I was in. I was like, fuck, of course his name is Tom. He's perfect. He's everything I've ever wanted. Um, Can I just ask how many, like, say, drinks you're down? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. It's okay, cool. the way I operate. Um, but a few. So, yeah. We text a little bit while Has I'm in the car. Has he worked home. out, though? No, he doesn't know who I am. Oh. So he's being very kind but curious. And I'm being kg because dating sucks and even yeah. though you're like Tom! well yeah because i'm like fuck oh god i've got to play i've got to play this right i gotta yeah. be kind of flirtatious but not overly flirtatious and smart and funny and it's really late and what am i doing again this is crazy um so we had a little bit of a back and forth not really that substantial or consequential but i did learn his name i learned that he was funny and i learned that he had excellent grammar and that's a, that reinforced all my hypotheses about him, and B, that's all I needed to know. Um, and you already love his vibe. Like, I mean, yeah. he, he caught your eye, you yeah. know what he looks like. like it's, yeah, yeah, I was very into yeah. what I saw. Um, anyway, and then went to sleep. Probably 3.30, you know, late enough. Early enough. Uh, and what's interesting is, we, obviously we've sort of calibrated our different versions of this story, and we both had the same morning the next day. So we both woke up, went for a run, kind of forgot it happened, and then had this moment of remembering. And um, for me, it happened in the middle of my run, and I was like, oh, God, that, I can't, okay, but forget that. That was crazy. You're crazy. This, this, these things never work. Just, you'll never text him again. He's definitely never going to text you again. Um, and then at the end of my run, he texted. And I guess that was Saturday, and he invited me to a party that night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I think after, I think he had maybe asked for my last name, and, but he did it in kind of a funny, obviously I knew why, but he made a joke about it. Because he wanted to Google yeah. you. Yeah. He's like, I want to know what kind of music you like. Okay, okay. My, yeah, here's my last name because fair enough, I've yeah. seen you. <laughs> um, I declined the Saturday night, and then, uh, but we kept texting. Really? And... You didn't want to go to a party with him <laughs> where he was going to know everyone and you were going to know no and one? And... Believe it or not, yeah, I was actually crazy. a little tired after Friday <laughs> night. Um, so I said no, and I spent the evening like blissfully watching terrible television in bed. Um, but then, surprisingly enough to me, he was persistent in, in wanting to get together. But had he now... Figured out that, like, had he Googled you and seen a face now? And, yes. And realized yes. that you were the girl staring at him? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good question. Um, 
I really like it that you keep telling me that I'm asking good questions. Oh, yeah. It's really nice. They are good. Um, yeah, he had. He had. Okay. Um, does he not, he can't be here, but does he remember being like... Yes, he does he, remember the that was dynamic like, and the encounter, or the lack of encounter. Yeah. Um, which is why I know he's glad he did not say words to me. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so now we know that both of us were there at bar 169 staring and, um, I will say he, I think he offered to get a drink. Ah, I may, I stand corrected. I think he offered to get a drink not knowing who I was because in his words, um, I had done something so brave and putting myself out there and those, those acts, um, demand to be rewarded. Tom. Fair enough. Also, we're just going to go out with anyone, Tom? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, fine. It worked out. But then he looked me up and was like, okay, even better. It's the girl I was, the woman that we were staring. Um, and he wanted to make sure we got together before. The holiday, because I think the, you know, the thinking was, oh, Thanksgiving's going to come. That's going to be Wednesday through Sunday. Too much time. Things fall apart. So we got together um, for a drink on that Tuesday night before I was going to go home for Thanksgiving. And um, we had a drink at bar 2A. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, happy hour. They had those little wooden tokens. And he talked the whole time. And I realized, I was like, oh, he's nervous. Okay. Didn't expect that. This is a side of him I hadn't, you know, pre-read in my 2 a.m. analysis. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was it was endearing, and he was so wonderfully weird in a way that I always felt only I was. And that... In what way? He was obsessed. He's in love with life, too. Um, and he was spent a lot of time talking about how he... Um, loves Thanksgiving because every year he puts on a costumed turkey trot where hundreds of people from his neighborhood and surrounding neighborhoods get together to run like an almost 4K in costume and they do it to raise money for the homeless shelter. And he very specifically was excited about how he was going as Animal from the Muppets. (laughs) Now, I consider myself to be a sort of premier Muppets fan, like obsessed, um, associate myself personally with Beaker. Um, not Miss Piggy? No, no. not at all. Okay. I, you know, I'd be friends with her, but yeah, cool, I'm, not, cool. I'm not a Piggy. Um, I find her boyfriend kind of boring. Mm. So Not Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom's animal. <laughs> um, so I just... It was someone who could talk with the same absurd passion about something as... I mean, not that the Muppets aren't beloved, but maybe not like actively by people in their late 20s. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I would have jumped <laughs> on that conversation. I was actually really proud that I knew Miss Piggy's name just then. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but it was those kinds of things where we um, realized we shared bizarre, I guess, passions or like... Um, we were excited by similar minutia or trivia or whatever. Um, and let I me mean, long, st- not very long. I mean, this is the, this is not really the time for a long story short. I realize it's a podcast, yeah, but, you can keep um, I realize I say that a lot though, but the, the evening really, we, you know, we went from one location to the next and I learned that he had reservations at these, he had sort of staggered reservations he in case had? I needed to eat, which is the most planned he's ever been oh that's sometimes not... i'm like how did you why were you so good that well, how did you know also this type of date i'd like i don't i feel like this doesn't even exist anymore I now i'm understanding why we always tag this as going to be the hope episode because <laughs> hang on i have not heard one person that's been on a date recently where a reservation was made three and he made three. That's maybe... He made at least one reservation, and then he had two backups that didn't require reservations. So, like, the Lobster Roll place or mm. some other... I can't remember. We didn't go to any of them. Okay. We stayed at this bar for at least two rounds, and then we went to Tile Bar. And because the night was running on, and they probably had chips there or something, and I remember we were like, wow, we, um, we haven't eaten, so we should probably get drink something substantial, like a white Russian. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. very good thinking. Yeah, I love so it that you had... started that they had chips there, mm-hmm. and not that you ordered the chips, but you ordered a white Russian. Yeah, I think the chips were on the bar. Thank God. Okay, cool. But it was just like there was a momentum to the evening that could not be stopped from the beginning. Actually, the first thirty minutes, I was like, "Oh God, he is talking a lot." I don't know if this because I didn't know that what our dynamic was yet because it was so one sided. <laughs> he calmed down and everything got much better. Um, and from that moment, it was like, okay, we're like, we were dating as of that night. So okay, woo. Okay, <laughs> this is my favorite type of interview. <clears throat> when this is all going on, yeah, how much are you thinking, analyzing it, or are you just sort of in the moment? I'm always analyzing it. Okay. Which is why I remember being in my head a little bit at bar 2A. Yeah. I remember first being a little taken aback by how much he was talking. And then I remember being blown away by the things we had in common. And it was almost annoying. And he'll say the same thing about me because it's like he'd be talking about a topic and I'd be like, you're not going to believe how much (laughs) I, I did this thing in college. Like I... Oh, you, you, know. you kept stealing each other's thunder? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I tried not, trying not to steal one another's thunder, but being really invigorated by the bizarre coincidences and shared interests. And um, I guess the biggest thing, uh, you know, I guess I wasn't always in my head, though, because I, I think we couldn't stop talking. Mm. Like, I think there was such a ricochet effect in the conversation that... Um, only at moments was I able to like take a step back and think, oh my God, what is happening? Um, and like, he kissed me at the second bar. And I do remember I had like a really conscious thought, which was just, and these words came through my mind as though I was narrating. Oh God. Oh God. He's kissing me. We're kissing. <laughs> We're making out. <laughs> it's happening. I know. I think it had been a while, you know? Um, so there were moments of analysis and moments of just letting it happen. And so I would guess moments of flow, you had might you, say. Had you ever felt sort of any, like, had you ever been on a date in... I mean, n- not like that. Not in my adult life, you know? I yeah. feel like... Yeah. In lifetimes before, sure. I think anytime, I feel like anytime you have a really serious relationship, you have, like, that kind of dynamic and that's what enables it. Mm-hmm. But God... It was, yeah, it felt completely unique. Um, so, then that's why in the morning as we were leaving my apartment together, um, I was like, what? I mean, it, it, I wasn't even actually asking questions. I was like, okay, I think I'll be seeing you again. And uh, we were talking about something else that I loved walking up the street I just remember being like I can't wait to tell all my friends all the things we have in common because they're not going to believe it um it really seemed to circle around the Muppets I have to say yeah but um yeah it was just this like whole new world cracked open in that night and uh I mean actually it cracked open it started you could like see the seams of it or the you know edges of the opening that Friday night and then by Wednesday morning, I was never going to be the same. Which is crazy to say out loud. But are you... Did... Mm, <clears throat> you can say that now because yeah. you're married to him. But like... You know what I mean? Yeah. But on that day, that's what you felt like as well though. You knew. I knew I wanted to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. I was so young. I was, so I was 25. I wasn't thinking about marriage. Um... But I guess, you know, somewhere deep within that I was. But I, it's, un- it's very dangerous to think mm. that way. So oh, I yeah. was just thinking I want to be with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't even an aspiration. It was like a, oh, this is great. Um, and that's not to say that I was cool and not crazy and he was ready to be a, you know, like we were both, we both had work to do. Yeah. Um, but I think there was this kind of, um, understanding and and a mutual understanding that at least I felt then walking up that street, um, 
that I would say underpinned everything that followed, including, you know, a lot of insecurity, a moment where I had to give him a humorous ultimatum because um, he was just not used to, you know, let's say it was two months later or a month and a half later, he wasn't used to committing because for one reason or another, he didn't have to or it didn't work out or whatever. And that's fine. That's the way it Do is. Do we mean committing in the sense of not going on other, like, mm. dates or... Um, no, I more mean, um, I was going to say a good question again, because it was a good clarifying question. Um, I mean more, uh, ensuring that I know where he stands and where he is. Um, I wasn't worried. I mean, I guess in my mind, I had no, uh, surefire, I had no clarity around where he was. And, you know, it basically what happened is after he had gone like a day and a half of not talking to me mm-hmm. or something like that. And I was like, huh, I guess I was thinking we were in a place where we were talking more often. Maybe it was two days. Um, and funny enough, on the back of the New York Post that day, there was a headline that said, where's Tom now? <laughs> it was the Tom... Um, the clock, shoes? Clock. No, it was um, coach of the... Jets, he's going to laugh at me because I can't remember his full name right now. But um, he, I don't know why, because I wasn't following the Jets, but something was happening with the Jets where that was the headline. Took a picture of it, sent it to Tom and said, I wouldn't know. I haven't heard from him in a while. (laughs) (laughs) And that kind of kicked off a conversation um, that he was very happy to have. And he was like, I, oh, if it wasn't clear, like, no, I'm definitely not dating anyone else. And yes, I like, would you want me to call you your girlfriend? Like what, what is, yeah, sure. What do you want? Oh, okay. You know, of course I've driven myself fucking crazy, crazy in the last <laughs> week. Um, so, yeah, there... It was mentally... It, it's always mentally and emotionally exhausting, at least for me, um, to um, create a long-term, like, stable... I don't know. Yeah. Relationship or whatever it was. And... Um, that's why it was so important that we had that shared foundation that I was talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's interesting, but I feel like, um, you know, with romantic films, like, mm-hmm. the film would end here. Right. But then you don't get, you, then you don't sort of see all the things that they truly had to work mm-hmm. on. And like you both said, you know, you just said this, I mean, you're 25. I mean, this never ends, working on yourself. Yeah, but it was particularly necessary then. I I didn't appreciate... The relationship really helped me appreciate work I had to do on myself. And I think the same was true for him. What what were the big ones that, I guess, surprised you? Or you look back now and... like Mm -hmm. Okay, twofold question. One, kind of what were they? Two, do you think you would have you would have been faced with these challenges even without being in a relationship or were you like no that the the relationship spurred me to deal with that I think it really helped me face them more directly and more productively because I think the biggest thing I learned about myself is that I'm very defensive of myself I'm always coming I mean I historically was always coming from a place of defensiveness and um it was easy for me to feel almost the victim and it's a really hard that's a really hard point of view to shift Mm. if someone you really trust isn't the person who's helping you realize it because otherwise you feel like you are being attacked all the time and um so in in my case I don't think I think you can have self uh reification with but on your own or with a great therapist and I was lucky enough to have all three um, but in my case, it was very helpful to, um, to ha- to have him to help me realize a lot of, uh, important things about myself. And I, and I, I also felt like we were, we were working on one another. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, there was a, definitely a shift over the first, we talk a lot about how, or we used to talk a lot about how it's interesting how much we actually fought in the first year, really fought, but never considered breaking up. Mm. 
which is not everyone's cup of tea <laughs> and it shouldn't be. But, um, for us, it always felt like we were work, we were fighting through something and the fights were productive. Um, even if they were unnecessarily dramatic as perhaps both of us are. Um, and over time we learned, you know, we fought better, we fought less and we both grew immeasurably, I think. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think that is typically like, I would never say, oh, that's the job of a relationship. It just happened to be yeah. what happened in my relationship. I, yeah. I'd say what I, from observation, like the, when someone, even like, I wouldn't say the word critique is the right word, but sometimes that can feel like when they critique your personality or mm -hmm. they're like, do you know you do this or mm -hmm. you're doing that thing again or da, da, da. Like, I think there's only certain people that can say that to you, like, from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Others from a place of truly just being not helpful at yes. all. And I, I'm sure, like, a partner, if it feels right and you, you really do care about their opinion. And you know, I think for me, when people critique myself, sometimes I love it because I'm like, you're paying attention to me. Like you're mm -hmm. observing my behavior and I didn't even know that about me, but that makes a lot of sense. And then other yeah. times you're like, well, you're just saying that to make yourself mm -hmm. look better or, you know, like it's like a re you have to have that respect level for the person to yes. hear what they're, what they're saying. And the trust that they're coming from the right place. place yeah. yeah. Um, because yes, I, it's interesting. I actually get a lot of I've learned a lot about myself over the last few years, even just to, at, through work dynamics and learning about myself through what people will tell me there. And I trust that. Yeah. I think that they just want to create a, you know, it's a team effort. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, um, it's been, I feel like not a, I feel like a better person than, and that's a cliche I realize, but I guess when I say it, I think about all the hard work that went into become, to feeling like a better person um, and a more clear-headed person and a person who kind of feels as confident as she ever has. Um, thank God, by the way, because yeah. I didn't know how messy it was upstairs yeah. until I was able to look back on it with some space. Do you know where the me. sort of the defense victim, where that kind of stemmed from? Or? I wish I knew better. I, um, I think... It's, I think a few things. I think when I was young, I always felt very misunderstood. I was weird. And in retrospect, that was awesome. But, um, you know, you get teased, you get people, um, you know, kind of casting you aside yeah. because you, they don't, they can't put you in a box and understand you. And I think that makes you feel that would it personally enraged me yeah. <laughs> as like a middle schooler. Um, and that kind of stayed with me and I was, yeah. And almost like social dynamics growing up made me feel like I had to have my gloves on. Um, and that's really been a disservice to me in my relationship with friends and especially female friends. And I like, that is something I would have said it was everyone else's fault, even like five years ago. But now I realize that some of, and I'm not, I don't think I was actually ever a mean person. I think I've always been a very well-intended person, but I now just from my own experience can see how the meanest people don't realize yeah. they're the meanest people. They are probably protecting themselves. Yeah. That's why I've, I, I've realized lately at work that um, like I really want the, especially the creators, I really want the creators to like me. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know that that's, you know, normal to a sense but I but in some weird way I'm like I haven't even formed in it mm. you know it's just I just want them to like me and um I thought about it yesterday and I was like hang on maybe you need to put the work ahead of the creatives liking you and why is it so important that yeah. they they like you you know like mm -hmm. it's like you these you have friends they like you it's okay you know it's okay but um I think also that I've, I have had a few times where they just haven't been that nice or they've, you know, they've mm -hmm. said some things that they would have no idea 
you know, was like a bit of a knife to the heart. Yeah. Uh, and then I, you have, it's amazing how you have to remind yourself, you're like, that probably had nothing to do with you. That had no, you know, then, and my core thing that I, like, for if it's really, you know, because I'm still so new, I've only been there three months, if it's still inkling when I'm, like, falling asleep, I'm my, my thing that I remind myself, I'm like, they are not falling asleep thinking about you. Yes. You know, they uh-huh. are not. So don't you dare mm-hmm. do it, you know, you do it because it's just like, whoa, absolutely. you know? Yeah. I, and that's a hard dynamic. I will say for me, I had to stop caring what they thought and care a lot about how, about the work. Yeah. Because if you do a good job for them and with them, then they will. Like right. It. I know. And I, it's, I'm really glad I kind of came to that realization yeah. yesterday because it freed me and then yeah, I'm like getting your own way otherwise also that's why I'm there to do good work I mm-hmm. want to do good it, work and I wasn't I was more like should I just do this thing because I know they'll that's what they'll appreciate from me yeah. not believing that that truly was the thing that I should do that would make the work better yeah um but anyway it is a it is a freeing thing when you realize that um it's not intentional sometimes what people's behavior towards you, you know? Right. And you are not the center of their reality. World. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And I, I mean, I think just having another human with you when you come home to talk through those things is going to always be helpful. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I guess was lucky to marry someone who saw me in a way that perhaps other people didn't, the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then linking to New York, I mean, not a lot of people meet their partner in New York and then get married and then, you yeah, know, yeah. set up shop yeah. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you definitely are a bit of a... What's the word? Ano- anomaly. Anomaly. Yeah. Um, I guess, do you feel really lucky or is that a weird thing to say? Or it's hmm. like, no, this is what the process of life kind of should be? Or Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, of course I feel lucky. Mm. I have to. This, yeah. I mean, my life is... It, we're all lucky to live yeah, here. I agree. First of all, I know lucky. I mean, I know it's a weird. Qu- I mean, I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, with that, but no, yeah. I do. I yeah. do. Um, but I, I'm to be honest with you, honest any day that I'm in my apartment with Tom and my dog, I actively think about how lucky I am. Mm-hmm. And on our wall, there's a framed uh, drawing with all the. It's these little, really sketches of people and like one little dog. And there are just these lines going in different directions. And it, it's sort of a poetic representation of people in a city like this. And at the top it says, it's a miracle we ever met. And I just think it, it's Where important. Where did that come from? I, Tom found it. I don't know. It's a beautiful piece of art. And it says everything. So, yes. Like, I, not only do I feel lucky, but I constantly am surprised by how lucky I am. That said, there's also a lot of t- conscious decision-making that you make mm-hmm. as you go. From changing my mind about not wanting to text him the next morning to going on the date to, you know, getting back to get... We never broke up, but after a fight, yeah, really seeking resolution above all. Um, Did you also have a moment where you're like, I'm really, really falling for this guy. That's really scary. So I'm going to run away. Like, is that at all? Was that ever a little moment of the, I think that's certain people's personality that run from that. I would never run from, no, I didn't run. I would never thought I wanted to do that because I was afraid of getting hurt. I think I was lucky enough to be young enough that I hadn't been like, I mean, I've been (laughs) burned a shocking number of times given I was 25, and but that's how the city is. Um, it felt like a lifetime of dating, even though I know yeah. I could have had 10 more years of it at least. Um, what I the times that I think you I considered walking away were when we were when it was really painful, and that's logical. Mm-hmm. That's your like natural response. Um, but I didn't want to let go of the relationship, even if at times there were bumpy, you know, there were bumps in the road. Um, but to your question about, I think, I think the question, if I'm going to read it a little bit is also like, 
how do you decide to marry someone? Yeah. <laughs> because that was a that was a thing I wasn't ready to decide for a while. Well, when how did so how did marriage come into this? Um he's 6 years older than I am so he brought it up. His friends were like having kids and um I was I don't know. I, w- I wasn't going to say I wanted to get married until some part of me, you know, my, I, it's not, I was kind of just listening to internal indicators and I knew at some point I'd want to or not. And I waited until I felt that I wanted to. And then one day I did and I told him and then he, you know, the process ensued. And it's interesting. I don't know. I guess it was, it's just about, for me, it was just about listening to myself and not rushing into anything because it seemed logical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then once you have decided you feel a certain way, a hundred percent a certain way, yeah. uh, trusting that. Yeah. And that's how it was for deciding to get, deciding to get married. Um, that's how it was for deciding to move in together, which I, you know, I being the younger person in the relationship was always kind of the one who had to, who, who had to ultimately make the decision. Yeah. Um, but once you're there, it's organic. And I don't know, I wish, I wish it were more, I wish there were more like obvious indicators, but it's just this kind of like uh, switch. For me, it was this kind of switch that flipped inside of me and I knew the switch was there or I, actually I didn't know if the switch was there. I was like, let's see how I feel. Let's yeah. see how I feel. And then it seems like that has also worked for you. I mean, even right. you deciding to be like, you know what, I'm going to have a break from dating mm-hmm. and I'm now I'm ready to, yeah. you know, you seem quite in tuned with, I guess I trust my gut and, yeah. um, I also pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, which can be fun and not fun. And very noisy. Yeah. yeah. So, so far, I mean, it's all I can say is that I've got, hopefully, I mean, knock on wood, I won't, because... You can knock. I knock. (laughs) (laughs) Knock on wood, I've got many more years of life to live, and whatever happens in the future, I mean, I, I feel like where I am in life is wonderful, and it's like, I guess, so far, trusting my gut has served me well, Mm. and I could say that even before, and for other things that aren't related to romance, um, but it's all I've got. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't want to go, I, I didn't want to study certain things in college. I didn't want to go into certain industries. And my gut's always been right. Obviously, you, you know, you'll shift, you know, you'll shift and adapt if it isn't. But the, on the big things, you know, it's nice to trust that. It's nice to be able to trust that. Yes. And I think everyone ultimately knows what's good for them after they've been in this world for enough time. Mm-hmm. And, um, or you figure out that you had to go through something to learn exactly. the lesson anyway, so... Exactly. Yeah. Um, but if I were to let a lot of noisy over-analysis overtake me, which wouldn't be hard, um, my... It would be... I, I would be um, restricted and held back and feel trapped by myself. A little bit. So there's just like a acquiescing to the universe that kind of has to happen. Yeah. And um, it's fun. I will say. It's like, it's incredibly liberating to um, relinquish control a little bit. Mm-hmm. When you're ready. So I'm going to, like, final question. Yes. Uh, I'm sure you have single friends. Yeah. You know, and there's this part of me, like, I'm listening to you. I'm like, wow, you've. It's kind of wrong, but it's like you've ticked this huge box, mm. you know. But but that doesn't mean that it's not constant something that you nourish and look oh, yeah. after, and of mm-hmm. course. But like, it really does. You're not being like, who am I going to find? How am I going to marry? Mm. All that kind of stuff. Do you feel like you've got a bit more of an open part of your brain that maybe your single friends mm. sort of don't that? it's freeing a little bit or not necessarily you have other stuff that you, um, so I do remember being really overwhelmed by my, um, you know, interest in dating and whoever I was dating. And that's why I stopped because I felt like, I think it can overwhelm the mind. I think it's like if I were single and somehow also knew what I know now, I would 
try really hard to compartmentalize dating because at worst it makes you forget about yourself and you're going to be bad. You're going to be worse at dating if you aren't great at looking after yourself, obviously. Um, I will say though, being a married person, it frees up certain anxieties around finding a partner, Mm -hmm. let's say, but then it creates new ones about looking after your partner and ensuring, you know, like you have a new responsibility. Mm. Um, I have two, I have a dog. And I, I, you know, and I, it's a shared one. And he looks after me. I look after him. You know, we now fill one another's minds yeah. in a way that this sort of hypothetical person might have filled your mind before. So I don't know that I like have all this free time or free mental space. No, I think you answered <laughs> that so beautifully. Like it, yeah, it because it does. As someone that is single, there is always this chunk that you're sort of analyzing the non this non world that you don't have yet. Yeah, um, and you and then you know, you're wondering, okay, well, once I get all that, then I'll sort of be free to continue this mm. journey in some ways, which never stops. That's it doesn't almost, make any sense. No, well, because it's as though you uh, go through a gate and then you're on your own on the other side of it. Yeah. But that's the that's opposite of what happens. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I want, yeah, and I just wondered, like, when you're sitting at dinner and you've got the single person sort of going on about that, it's like, oh, is it kind of like I'm so glad that's kind of over? Or you're like, no, no, I have my other, I have my other things that they don't have to, that they're not working on or yeah. Yeah, have to think about. If anything, I just... I hope I enjoyed the positives of being single enough. And I think I did. Mm. I think, um, I think it's really important to have like a, a strong sense of individuality or independence, um, on both sides of that. Yeah. Um, I don't, and I also think it's important to, uh, to sort of reap the benefits of both sides of that. Yeah. Uh, sort of just yeah. like live in the now really. Yeah. Isn't it? I hate yeah. I'm such a, like, I know, I feel like all my answers are kind of a cop out because I'm like, no, well, everything not. can be great. No, but also like I'm start as I get older, I'm realizing that there's a reason why a cliche is a cliche mm-hmm. because it's the truth. Yep. Um, you just don't know that when you're younger and you're like, I've heard that and it means nothing. And now you're like, oh, it means so much. It means everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think trying to, if you have a, well, you know me, I started this conversation saying I'm in love with everything. Yeah. Just, I hope that never changes. Yeah. That's why I was happy single and that's why I'm happy married, but it has as much, to, it has everything to do with the way I see the world and engage with it. And it's like, everything's really fucking exciting mm-hmm. and beautiful and there's possibility around every corner. And then I, I guess also those days, I have these times where I'm like, when I'm feeling good, I think exactly yeah. like that. And when I'm a bit down or I think I'm scared of it. And what what's mm-hmm. lovely is that's my check-in. To yes. be like, is turning the corner shit scary or is it exciting? And when it's shit mm-hmm. scary, then i got to look after myself more. Yeah. If it's exciting, then I'm like, everything's yeah. like I'm on a good track. True. I think scary is exciting too. Yeah. Because it's like, if something's really scary, something's happening. Yeah, you're, yeah you are living. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's fucked up though. I have like apocalyptic dreams mm. uh which i guess just means um i am up for whatever <laughs> like been leaving burning buildings with jaguars and things like that um but yeah i mean i get it the scariest thing that's happened to me recently is that i got so tired and burned out that i stopped feeling things yeah and i was like oh this is kind of like i need to take a minute autopilot or uh genuine I mean, like, precursor to what people would describe as depression. Yeah. You know? I was like, uh-uh, oh no, fix this. Mm-hmm. Deal with this. Because, you know, it's a scary place to be. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying I always feel like I'm in love with everything and everything's in technicolor. It's funny but... you say that, though, because um, I always have this saying or thought of, like, you can marry someone, you can find someone, and they're on their own journey as well and who knows if they would get depression or who mm-hmm. knows if, you know oh, yeah. anything can happen and you you know that's I think this incredible part is you're saying I'm committed to you in whatever happens in 100%. your life and whatever happens to mine and you just I think that when I think about finding someone one I 100% hope that I can 
be there for them in those times mm-hmm. and then you just hope that they can you know that they're mentally uh, you know able to be there for you and I also it's funny it's like then I caveat it and mm-hmm. be like but if they can't that does not make them a bad person they just they just can't and, yeah. and that you will be okay that's okay absolutely I think that openness to things changing mm. and um your reality yeah things changing is is really important and then the only way you'll stay sane. Yeah. Same. <laughs> Veronica, thank you so much for coming oh on. Oh my this gosh, thank you for lovely. having me. Lovely. Oh, it's um, so nice to hear a good love story. <laughs> every once in a while I have someone sort of come and sort of say a kind of a love story. And it's not a story at all. It's just like, I met, you know, and we, you know, I really liked him. And that was it. Oh <laughs> like, God. It's never that simple. No, that's what I thought. You're missing something there. Yeah. And you can't also interview, you can't have someone that is still in the honeymoon phase either. Mm-mm. Because they, it, it's, it's actually, the story isn't logical. Like it doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Love will make you say the crazy thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly what happens. Hour of Love is produced by S.E. Zar, Grace Taylor, and Nancy Pappas, with sound editing and theme music by Jimmy Lindo. Always a special thanks to our guests who are willing to share their intimate stories. <laughs>